Here at the Planning Podcast, we believe that half of financial literacy is about knowledge. Now that other half, now that's about lifestyle. It's the way you live. It's the way you move. So together, we are going to demystify this good old world of finance and wealth building through our intentional guests and dialogue. Make sure you subscribe, stay tuned, and of course, stay planning. Good people, Isaac Cooper here. Welcome to the new segment at the Planning Podcast that we call our Hot 15. This is where we take a break from the full show and give you some quick, relevant, and interesting information you should be thinking about. Let's get into it. So I think it was about four or five years ago when it was more common knowledge that the NFL operated as a nonprofit (laughs) Um, since 1920, right? And so it wasn't until about 2015 until it changed its status. So of course, I went on this journey of curiosity of ownership and one of the teams that still exist today, and there's there's a number of them since 1920, but one of the teams that still exists today is the Chicago Bears. So Papa Bear, a.k.a. Mr. Everything, these are all facts. <laughs> George Hollis, uh, so in 1920, he, he decided to establish uh, the Chicago Bears. Now, at that time, the franchise fee uh, was about $100. Um, now, in 2021's, um, uh, in today's time, that's around roughly around $1,200. But ultimately, he purchased, you know, created the franchise of the Chicago Bears for $100. Interesting enough, the family still owns the team. So his daughter actually owns the team. And this is as recent as 2018. I should have checked into 2021. But uh, as recent as of 2018, the Chicago Bears is, is estimated to be roughly around $2.9 billion. You know, you want to talk about legacy, right? You know, when when you think about the type of flexibility that provides, uh, or even in 2002, the most recent franchise that was established was 2002, and it was in Houston, Texas. Now, that franchise fee wasn't $100 or, or even $1,200. The franchise fee in 2002 uh, was $700 million. So, you know, considering that NFL ownership is a good, profitable business model. She could have easily said, hey, you know what? Let's establish another NFL franchise. We have the uh, proceeds to make that happen. Um, But what I would like to point out is that even as I'm thinking through this and talking about it, the the level of planning to get to that type of valuation, you know, that requires some legal documents and infrastructure, communication amongst family members. Um, And then, of course, you know, planning it. So, you know, when you think about legacy, when you talk about legacy, that is actually a physical living example. Now, as I was looking at the inner workings of the NFL, I was, I was shocked. <laughs> um, I was shocked. I was shocked of the, of the massive tax benefits. I was shocked of the massive tax benefits, right? It's, it's, it's really eye opening to see how the government helps NFL owners in the NFL maintain its power uh, and profitability. Now, owning owning a, a football team, yes, you know, owning anything, you want to make turn profit. Uh, let's let's be very clear. I'm a business owner, so I definitely understand that, empathize with that, and celebrate and support all entrepreneurs. If you have an EIN number, 
you know, pat yourself on the back. Hopefully you are um, doing well in, in today's time. But again, you know, with today's topic around just the uh, just the space of NFL ownership, the antitrust uh, exemption. Um, but, but, but let's look at a few examples, right? So you got Paul Allen, shout out to Paul Allen, co-founder of Microsoft, very wealthy individual. He is a Seattle Seahawks owner and the stadium cost was about $560 million. $390 million of that stadium cost is paid by the Washington State residents. Yes, that is what I just said. $390 million of that $560 million cost was paid by those that make $50,000 a year, $85,000 a year. Not saying it's a bad thing, but it was eye-opening to see the amount of uh, tax benefits that billionaires and the NFL owners were able to participate in based off of some of this uh, these developments. Zygmunt Will, good man, uh, owner of Minnesota Vikings, right? And so the uh, stadium, he received $506 million from tax from, from, from the taxpayers. Another eye-opening, shocking um, dollar amount. And I believe within that same year, the state was facing a billion-dollar deficit. So I don't, I don't know what projections they were looking at or um, revenue. Um, opportunities that they anticipated. Hopefully it all paid off. But again, $506 million of taxpayers' dollars. Now, if you say, Isaac, all right, that's a good investment for the economy. I agree. I definitely agree. Um, Me bringing this to you is not to say that this is wrong. This provides jobs. It provides opportunities, foot traffic for surrounding businesses. You know, we can go from construction to landscaping, to painting, to printing, to dump trucks, to engineers. The sky's the limit, right? I bring this to your attention because it is just, (laughs) it's interesting. I'll just put it that way. Now, that is, uh, we'll say a subsidy or benefit that NFL owners can can and are participating in when it pertains to the building of the stadiums. Now, when you look at how they make money, right? So you have the local revenue, which is the, the bread and butter in which we would all anticipate, right? We have the, um, Ticket sales, stadium attendance, uh, what happens on game day, grabbing a beer, concerts that may happen off-season, live events, different tours. Um, And we see them, of course, throughout the commercials and in the stadium, around the stadium, those corporate sponsors. Uh, I even think about uh, what comes to mind is the MetLife Stadium, right? Naming rights. I believe they they paid roughly $15 to $20 million each year right? For the naming rights of, of MetLife Stadium. And so there's different ways in which they can they can generate revenue. Now, throughout my search of the, uh, just the NFL and, and, and how things happen historically, this is actually what was a bit more eye-opening when it pertained to the revenue. So I came across this we'll just say, um, exemption. And I was very, very, um, it was just very interesting to see how quickly or how long ago this manifested. So we have the antitrust exemption. So in 1961, 
Congress approved legislation that allowed professional football teams <laughs> to pull together when negotiating radio and television broadcasting rights. The law signed by JFK was the first action by federal government that would spur the growth of a multi-billion dollar enterprise, academics say. CBS paid $2 million for the right to broadcast the NFL championship game. That was in 1966. <laughs> the year Congress approved the NFL's merger with the, N with the AFL and expanded the combined league's antitrust exemption. The idea was to support the fledging sports league. Excuse me. The idea was to support the fledging sports league. Today, however, the NFL makes an estimated $7 billion in revenues just from their television deals alone. And then, of course, hands down, NFL games are the most popular programming on television. Last fall, this is an article dated 2014. So, of course, last fall... Uh, was in 2013, which uh, displayed that 34 out of the um, 35 most watched TV shows were NFL games. Now, that was before some of the uh, airwaves around the protest and and Colin Kaepernick and the causes he was kneeling for. We know that caused a um, spiraling down in regards of the the views. Uh, but regardless, I bring that to your attention to display another revenue stream, um, which is actually called national revenues, which is the shared media deals that all 32 teams. So with that new, that legislation, that opened up a revenue stream for the NFL owners um, in which they have shared uh, a shared percentage. They split it amongst each other. They, they divided by 32. So in 2018, um, the shared revenue through the media deals was 255 million. And so of course, with the 32 teams, Altogether, that's $8 billion. So out of that $8 billion they generated from that overall agreement, those 32 teams were able to receive $255 million each in 2018. So as I was looking into this information, one of the eye-opening components of this, and, and of course, through this planning podcast, we talk about money from different perspectives. Uh, but one of the eye-opening aspects of this was that in protest, to Colin Kaepernick kneeling, there was uh, a large, um, uh, we'll just say, volume of requests to say, hey, well, if these NFL owners are going to allow this, you need to re uh, revoke the antitrust exemption. So we can get into 15 episodes of a, of a podcast to not even scratch the surface of some of the atrocities that have uh, revealed itself um, within a within the past twelve months, but more importantly, some of the components that Colin Kaepernick was looking to shed light on when he initially kneeled. What I would like to discuss, or I would just say, raise the light on, is the immediate reaction of those that were not in favor of the NFL owners uh, allowing any type of kneeling or protesting of that nature. It wasn't to say, oh, I'm going to throw my Nikes away or oh, I'm going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. They went to the policy that impacted their pockets the most. 
And so one of the most interesting components that I've been able to witness, been able to learn more about when we think about the power of the dollar and the uh, influence of money is that protesting uh, either against something inhumane or, uh, or supporting something that needs to be uplifted, regardless of what it is, the moment you can follow the money, the moment you can track how the money operates within that ecosystem, within that environment, within that entity, is the moment you get clarity. Hopefully everything has been well with you good people. I just wanted to uh, brain dump that. I've been thinking about it, reading about it. Thought it was very interesting just when it pertains to the revenue streams of the um, NFL, the history of the NFL, the um, uh, legacy planning within the Chicago Bears ownership uh, with George Halas and with that $100 investment and look at that close to a $4 billion valuation of a company that his daughter and, and grandbabies will should never have to worry about uh, struggle or resources if properly managed. So just a multitude of examples and um, a, a great, um, uh, I feel like, uh, release for me just when it pertains to getting proximate to sports, but also being able to talk about numbers. So hopefully this has been good for you. Make sure you share this with your friend. We got a lot more exciting interviews to come. And of course, stay planning.